0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. I'm comfortable when I'm up here singing, not having to talk. <laughs> but I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to be able to share my heart with you today. And um, I feel like God has given me something and last weekend, when I spoke at the ladies' tea in Chicago, um, the presence of the Lord just filled that room. And we had a time of prayer and consecration before the Lord. And whatever God wants to do in this place today, I want him to have liberty. Yes. Amen. And so would you allow him to have liberty in your own heart, Amen. in your own life today? Amen. Amen. I'm thankful, thankful to be a mom, and. There were many, 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 many years that we waited for our miracle boy, and, but God's grace is sufficient, amen? His grace is sufficient for every day, and so if you are waiting, if you're in a waiting period, I'm going to talk about that today, but if you're in a waiting period, God knows right where you're at, and he's working on your behalf even when you can't see it, amen? Amen? So I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to my husband for allowing me to, to speak to you today. And uh, when they called me to speak at the ladies' tea, um, uh, she called me about a month. She gave me about a month's notice. So that should be plenty of time, you know, to come up with something to talk about. But I was having the hardest time just coming up with what I wanted to say and... Um, or what God wanted me to say, actually. And sorry, I'm distracted because I think our newest baby of our church just walked in. Sister Tyosha. <laughs> it's good to see you this morning. Welcome. <laughs> but anyway, back to what I was saying. Sorry, I get distracted by Babies. So anyway, I I was having a hard time, and I was praying, God, speak to my heart, Lord. Give me something that these ladies need to hear. And, And I wasn't necessarily feeling strong on any particular thing. Well, so one day, Sister Kessler called me, actually, and said that she had some plants for me. And she's awesome because she brought me, she split a bunch of her plants when they were just coming out of the ground and brought me some beautiful hostas to plant in my yard, because I have nothing in my yard. So she brought me over some hostas to plant, and so I decided, and it was the Saturday before Easter, Sunday, and so I decided I'd go out there and and dig in my garden, and Luca was taking a nap, so I thought I'd go out there and dig in my yard and get my hands dirty, because I love doing that, and plant some hostas. And while I was digging in that dirt... Let me just preface by saying this. Some of you have seen our house. (laughs) We bought a fixer-upper, and um, it's, my husband has talked about it. It's called the the neighborhood. They called it the Hoosier House because it it was bad. It was in rough shape, and you couldn't even see our house. When we bought our house, it was covered in shrubs. And so, I mean, you could see a little bit of it, but even the windows were covered in shrubs and just scrubby, and there was, a chain link fence in the backyard that was literally falling down in parts of it. And it was a mess. Our yard was a mess. And so my sweet, blessed brother-in-law, who I don't see right now, brought over some of his equipment. And he literally took my took all the shrubs out, took our yard down to the dirt. He graded our whole yard, took it down to the dirt. And literally there's now it was not, it was ugly before, but when he took all the shrubs out, we are like, wow. Now you can really see how ugly our house is. <laughs> it's a like a brown and orange brick, and the siding is like an avocado green. We're going to paint it. It's going to get painted soon. So we've spent a lot of time working on our yard. And we brought in grass seed and planted grass seed on that fresh dirt that Matt had tilled up. And then we let it sit with straw on it, and we just let it sit. Well, pretty soon, stuff started coming up, and grass, there was some grass coming up, but there was also, what was it, some straw or wheat coming up? There was clover, there's crabgrass, there's all kinds of stuff coming up in our yard. And so our yard has been a mess. So my husband has... has taking it on I mean he is gonna he's gonna master this lawn and so we've been putting on treatments and um you know weed and feed and and uh grub grub stopper and all kinds of stuff (laughs) and he came in a few weeks ago and he was so frustrated and he said Janelle I'm so sick of this yard already it's there's it's hopeless our yard is hopeless And I said, no, babe, just just, we're going to keep working on it. It's just going to take a while. And he's like, it's going to take years to make it look nice. (laughs) And I said, well, just be patient. Be patient, babe. It's going to get there. Well, with all of this rain we've been having and the treatments, one day it had rained for like three days straight. And then we got a sunny day. And so we walked out in our yard. And would you believe, but our yard is got green, pretty, lush grass growing. And it's looking better. It's not It's not great, but it's looking better. And so we're ready to, like, work on our yard, okay? So I'm back to the hostas. I go out, and I'm planting, trying to plant these hostas. And I have this little trowel that I'm, I'm just going to, you know, dig down in the dirt, dig me a little hole, and plant my hostas. Well, when I started to dig, it was literally, like, I was digging through a spider web of roots. Literally, just... Just roots and stones and rocks. And so I was just out there just chopping away at, at my ground. I mean, just chopping away. I was sweating, just chopping away at that ground. And finally got, got some enough space to plant my hostas in. But I had to dig through and chop through a lot of stuff. And while I was down there on my knees, just chopping away at that dirt, God spoke to me in that moment. And he said this, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. He said, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Break up your fallow ground. And as I was chopping, chopping away at that dirt, trying to dig a little bit of a hole to plant something, I just kept hearing that over and over. Break up your follow ground. Break up your follow ground. And so I just started praying in that moment. We just had, me and the Lord had a time out there, and I just started praying, God, break up the follow ground in my heart. Whatever it is, Lord, break it up, God. Break up the follow ground in my heart. So I had a good time of prayer out there and I I managed to plant six hostas and they're doing really well by the way. Um, But I went inside and I I decided I was gonna look up what fallow ground meant because I thought in my mind I always thought that fallow ground was just untouched land. Just like it was time to go in and and plow up a field so that you could plant something in it. So I I read the definition and this is what it is. Fallow ground literally means cultivated land that is allowed to lie idle during the growing season. Obsolete, it's plowed land that has been allowed a state of dormancy, the state or period of being follow. When I thought that was interesting because follow ground is not ground that's never been touched. It's actually ground that has already been tilled and plowed. And so farmers, when they want to have um, they want to let their their fields rest for a season? They'll go in and they'll till it up, they'll turn the dirt over, and then they'll leave it for a season, and so it it allows soil and nutrients to be absorbed back into the soil, so that the next season's harvest can be stronger and better. And the problem is though that when you when you till ground and then you leave it is. It, that, it grows weeds, it grows anything else that might have been sown in, through the birds or the wind or whatever it may be. And so fallow ground is it's, it's a state of dormancy, but it's also a vulnerable time. In the same field, you could end up with wildflowers, vegetables, corn, wheat, grains or seeds, wildflowers, and weeds all growing in the same field together. So being follow is not necessarily a bad thing. Farmers do it purposely. It's good for land to be dormant for a season. It allows nutrients back into the soil. But then I looked up the the biblical definition of follow ground, and this is what it said. Do not sow your seed among thorns. Break off all of your evil habits. Clear your hearts of weeds in order that they may be prepared for the seed of righteousness. Land was allowed to lie fallow that it might become more fruitful, but when in this condition it soon became overgrown with thorns and weeds, the cultivator of the soil was careful to break up his fallow ground, to clear the field of weeds before sowing seed into it. So says the prophet: Break off, of, break off your evil ways; repent of your sins; cease to do evil, and then the good seed of the word. Will have room to grow and bear fruit. So I wanna just talk to you today about the process, the process of righteousness. The process of righteousness. Not every season is a season of harvest. Not every season in your life is meant to be a season of harvest or even of bearing fruit. Dormant seasons are vital to a healthy harvest, vital to a healthy harvest. Healthy plants depend on winter. Winter is a time of dormancy in the ground. There's a, there's a lot happening, though, be, beneath that blanket of cold and snow and ice. There's a lot happening in the soil beneath all of that. Have, how many of you are gardeners in this room? I know there's a lot of people that like to garden, Um, So when when we plant a seed in the fall, we do it because we allow it a time of germination, right? You've heard of germination? And so I looked up germination. This is the definition of it, and it's so powerful. Germination is the budding of a seed after it has been planted in soil and remained dormant for a certain period of time. For plants and fruits that reproduce through seeds and pollen, the seeds eventually grow into young plants through the process of seed germination. When seeds are planted, they remain inactive until conditions are suitable for germination. And so what happens is when you plant it in the fall, you leave it, and then you, you, you let the harshness of winter just come in and take over your yard. And you don't even think about that seed because something is happening underneath the ground and there's a germination that's taking place. So then I thought, okay, well, what causes germination? What causes a seed to germinate? And this is what happens. It's called stratification. And I'm giving you some big words, huh? Stratification. Any gardener, this is the definition, any gardener who has ever cursed an evasive plant knows that that some seeds do very, very well when left outside in the cold all winter. You may even get a better germination rate than you would if you were starting the same seeds indoors. There are seeds, listen to this, this is powerful, there are seeds that need to experience cold, damp conditions, either because they have hard shells that are softened by the freezing and thawing, or because they are triggered by the change in the temperature to sprout. Let me tell you this, cold, harsh, snowy winters produce bountiful harvests. And so if you may be in a season right now of winter in your life, You may be in a season of dormancy, but let me tell you, if God has planted something inside of you, if you've allowed him to break up the fallow ground in your heart and he's planted something inside of you, you just wait because it's going to come to fruition. It's going to come to fruition. It's something that's happening deep in the soil of your heart and you have to allow it to happen. I thought it was interesting. We, we went to dinner with Brother and Sister Carden the other night, and we were talking about, because they came from Alaska. They came here, here from Alaska. And my husband and I have been to Alaska. And Alaska is like, they call it the true frontier, because you can live off the land. You can truly live off the land in Alaska. And that's, there's a lot of people that move to Alaska just so they can live off the land. And it's interesting because you would think in a place that's so harsh, a place that is dark for half of the year and then light for half of the year, you wouldn't think that they would produce very bountiful harvests. But there is so much that is produced in the state of Alaska. It's incredible because there's something that happens underneath the cold. And and so... Don't ever despise your season of waiting or dormancy. It's the same way in our lives. God may till up the soil of our hearts and then allow a season of rest or fallowness. You show me someone with hardness or shallowness, someone with a critical spirit or a backbiting tongue, someone that's jealous or angry or has anger problems or bitterness or resentment. You show me someone... And I'll show you someone that needs to go through a winter. Because there's something that happens in that time. It softens the hardness of your heart. And you think, we think of it as a bad thing. We think of, we see fallowness as as barrenness. and, And we try to fill it with other things. This is such a vulnerable, vulnerable time. Because just like a field, you leave it. If we aren't careful when God when we allow God to till up the soil of our hearts that's when we can allow other things that were never intended to be planted in us to take root because we're waiting we're in a season of waiting and so we get bitter about it or we get angry about it and and we don't want to talk we don't want people to bring it up or we don't want you know we don't want to see somebody else having blessings in their life because we're going through a hard time in our life. You got to be so careful. We don't like to be still. In our, our um, generation, we don't like to be still. We have literally created distractions for ourselves so that we don't have to sit and wait and think. We don't like to sit and so we create distractions. My husband brought up a book to me a couple of weeks ago, and it's a—I think it's a funny name—but the book is called "Bored, Lonely, Angry, Stupid." <laughs> and this is a quote. It's—it's it's about social media and boredom. And this is a, a quote out of the book. It says, "The promise of constant companionship. We don't always find it, but the phone—and I forgot to bring my phone up. The phone is always there, beckoning us with the promise of fulfillment and excitement. It promises Promises instantaneous entertainment and variety. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Boredom wasn't a word, actually, a word in the English language until the 1800s. People didn't even know. They wouldn't say, I'm bored. Because they would just find something to do. Today, we are constantly stimulated by our connections. And it is actually, the the book talks about it, it is actually changing our emotions. When we are constantly stimulated by, by not just our phones, but by when we can't just sit and be still. When, we're, when we have to be, you know, watching something or eating something or talking to someone, calling someone on the phone. We can't, we can't stand to have those moments where we just sit and think. And we are literally altering our very makeup. God did not create us to be constantly stimulated. He created us to go through seasons of rest, seasons of fallowness. The word loneliness was once called lonesomeness, and it was considered, get this, it was considered a virtue. Lonesomeness was considered a virtue. People would go away for a period of time to be alone, to have that season of fallowness where where the, the soil in your heart could be enriched once again. Seasons of boredom or dormancy actually make the highs higher. So what we're doing when we are constantly stimulating is we're we're creating this, this um, state where we're never, there's, we're never, our emotions, yeah, we're never satisfied. And so our emotions are always, they kind of state, they're up here, but they stay up here all the time. And we never allow them to come back. And so, when we have those seasons of rest, it actually makes the highs higher. Or, let me say this, it makes the harvest greater. The book said this, we think we have more when we actually have so much less. There's a, um, a man, an inspirational speaker, Louis Giglio, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of him. He said, to us, waiting is wasting, but to God... Waiting is working. So if you are in a season of waiting right now, or a season of winter, or, or whatever it may be, God is working. Just allow him to do his work. But, but, don't allow bitterness or anxiety in. Don't allow weeds of jealousy and pride, because they, they come in in those seasons of vulnerability, and they sprout in our hearts. The love of money or acceptance from the world. That ugly thing called fear. I hate fear. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. I was listening to Joy FM, driving down the road. And there's a lot of songs about fear now. And I used to think, wow, this is a good song. This is a good song. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what? Can we stop singing about our fear? Can we start talking about how great our God is? Because when we talk about how great he is, everything else just pales in comparison. Because we serve a great God. So that ugly thing called fear, once allowed to sprout, is a weed that literally takes over. You've, you've had plants in your yard or things in your yard that literally they take over if you don't get them out. And so, when you are in a season of waiting or vulnerability, if you see something sprouting in you, you go rip that weed out of your heart. Say, God, I see a weed coming up in me. I don't want it. Rip it out of me, Lord. Take it out. God, keep, keep me ready, ready for when you sow into my life. Just like our yard, pretty soon things start to surf in, surface in us that aren't, that are never what God intended. And it may look good from a distance. Let me tell you this. We have a lot of people driving by our house, stopping us, saying, Wow, your house is looking so great. Wow, your yard looks great. And from a distance from the road, it does because we mow it. It's all the same color. It's all green. (laughs) The weeds are green. The grass is green. The the straw or whatever is growing is green. But, but when you get up close, from a distance, it, it looks good. Oh, it's all mowed the same height, looks neat. But when you get up close to it, you realize, wait a minute, that's not all grass. We are experts, experts at showing our best side to the world, aren't we? Right. We're experts at letting people think we've got it all together. Oh, I got it all together. Life's good. We post our pictures on social media, our, our you know, clean corner of our house. <laughs> and we, we we got it all together, yeah. My son is always dressed like he's dressed right now. Always. His hair's always done. We're good at showing people our best side. Uh, our lawn, it doesn't look too bad from a distance, but when you get up close... When people get close to you, what do they see? When God starts looking close, what does God see? My dad was here a couple weeks ago, and and my dad's a gardener. He has a beautiful yard. His yard is like carpet, and he's always out there working on his yard. It's beautiful. And so I, I call him for a lot of advice for my yard. And so he was here a couple weeks ago, so I had him come over, and, and we just walked around my yard, and he's telling me what I need to do here, what I need to do there, and put out this and that and that. And then he saw a spot. There's a, there's a spot in our front yard that we are, no matter how hard we try, we cannot get grass to sprout there. And they had, when we, when we moved there, they had old railroad ties that were around the shrubs. And so whatever, was, whatever that substance is in the railroad ties, it, it leaches into the ground and so there's literally a line in, the, in our front yard that we cannot get grass to grow. And so I was showing my dad this area in my yard. And it's interesting because there's a little bit of moss, just a little bit of moss growing on the top of the dirt there. No grass, but there's a teeny bit of moss. And my dad said, oh, you see that moss right there? I said, yeah. He said, that means that right in that, those spots, your soil is sour. You have sour soil. Okay. And he said, you need to go get some lime, and you need to put some lime on that. And I said, okay, well, what what will lime do? He said, well, it will balance the pH level. It will balance it back out because it's it's out of whack right now. And so it'll balance the pH level in your soil, and it'll sweeten, literally sweeten your soil. And I thought that was so interesting. We had sour soil. I could tell you that. I could have told you that. I may be showing the world one thing, but what does does God see when he looks close at my heart? Is he seeing sour places? I know he does in me. And he has to, I have to allow him to to do whatever he's got to do, to put whatever he's got to put in me to cleanse me, to cleanse me, because I want to be fruitful. When it's time for the harvest, I want to be ready. It's part of the process. And we can't talk about the ground without going to the parable of the sower. And so in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9, it says this, and he spake, have you talked about this parable yet already? You've done this parable? I'm not going to do it as good of justice as he will. (laughs) It says this, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And then he goes down later on in the chapter and he explains Exactly what he's talking about in that parable, and he says this in chapter 20, "But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word. And, and listen, if this is you, oh, listen to this word, but he that receiveth the seed in stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy, receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself. But endureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word—I like that—because of the word. By and by he is offended. I thought that was interesting when it says because of the word. It's not talking about persecution from other people, or or tribulation that other people are bringing on you. It's talking about when you hear the word, and it hurts. When pastors start stepping on your toes and you fold your arms and say, I don't have to listen to that, that's the kind of ground he's talking about because of the word he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he become unfruitful. But he that received the word into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. That means he's reading it and he's he's studying it. Which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. I wonder what kind of fruit he's talking about there. Maybe it's souls. I don't know. Maybe it's jewels in your crown when you get to heaven. I don't know. What is the state of the soil of your heart? Which ground are you? Unless you are the good ground that he's talking about, then there is work that needs to be done. But the beautiful thing, this is what I love about God, is that the the word says his mercy is new every morning. That has been my verse this year. I, from from January 1st I decided that was going to be my verse this year. His his mercy is new every single morning. It starts over fresh. And so the beautiful thing is that God doesn't put look at you and say, "Well, you're you're stony ground, so I can never do anything with you. You are thorny ground, I can never I can never plant anything inside of you." Oh You are, you're, you're shallow. I can't ever plan anything. Now, right now, right now I may not be able to, but, but he is the master gardener. And so what he does is he sees that rocky place in us and he, he gets, he starts digging out those rocks and he starts putting in fertilizer, whatever it may be, the word, a kind word from somebody, whatever it may be. And he starts planting things inside of you. And so it doesn't matter what the state of the soil of your heart is right now, you can be changed. God can change it to good ground. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful that his mercy is new every morning. It's new. Oh, I'm so thankful. When I stand up here and I jump and I dance and I shout, I'm not standing up here to be a cheerleader. I'm standing here because I know what God's mercy means to me. I know that I don't deserve to be standing right here. And so I worship him because he's been so good to me. I don't deserve it, but he's been so good to me. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. Amen. Parents, what about your children's hearts? As parents, you are responsible right now for the soil of your children's hearts. What are you planting in the soil of your children's hearts? I saw a saying, or I read a saying, a quote the other day, and it said this, Life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mother. And when I first read it, I was like, oh, that's sweet. That's so sweet. The quote is sweet until you realize the purpose of a manual. And then it becomes scary. As parents, we are we are teaching our children every single day. My little boy is watching me right now. We are teaching our children every single day what they should be, how they should act how to worship, how to love the Lord. And and when when my son comes up here and he worships, we're not forcing him to do that, and we're not telling him to do that because we think it's cute and we think everybody else is going to think it's cute. I allow him to do that because I want him to love to worship. And, And when he becomes a distraction, I'll pull him back. But when he's out there dancing and shouting, I'm going to let him do it. Because why, why would I ever hold him back when he's trying to learn how to be a worshiper? And, and trust me, nobody's ever t- told me that I'm doing that, that I'm <laughs> being a distraction. But that's how I feel. We are, as parents, teaching our children every day. I don't allow Luca to watch certain things. Actually, very, very, very few things. Because I'm picky about what's put, being put into my son's mind and his heart. I don't allow him to, to plague things that aren't, that aren't right. I, I just, I want him to have a pure mind and a pure heart. And I'm not saying that to, to pat myself on the back at all. I'm just saying we got to be careful because they are vulnerable. They are vulnerable. And so if we're not careful, we can plant weeds in them. Without even realizing it, we can plant weeds in them. And so we have to be careful as parents we are planting in our children. Break up the fallow ground. It's going to take work, but it's part of the process of righteousness. God, I want to be righteous. Lord, I want you to rain righteousness upon me. But before you do that, God, you've got to break up the follow ground in my heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 7 says this. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. When I read this, I pictured myself out there hitting that ground with that trowel, breaking up those roots. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. I want God to deal with me as his child. It doesn't hurt. I I don't, I don't, I don't hurt my child when I discipline him. I'm not hurting him. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? If he just lets him to his own device, if he lets that field just, he tills it and then he lets it go, it's going to just be weeds. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. That's the truth. But grievous, it hurts. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth, oh, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, and this may be verse 11 or 12, there we go. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, holiness. I want to be holy as God is holy. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Many are defiled by the root of bitterness. But if we allow God, the master gardener, to chasten us, to till up the soil of our heart, if anything good is going to be produced in us, we must go through the process of righteousness. We must go through the dormant fallow season. We must go through the winter. We must allow God to till up the soil of our hearts, to yank roots that produce weeds in us. We must allow the winter to soften us and then we must go through seasons of fallowness. We must apply prayer and the word. Just like I had to apply the lime, we must apply prayer and the word to areas of our life that are sour. But when we do all of that, the results are beautiful. Beautiful. I'm determined in my own yard to have a beautiful yard, but I'm determined that my heart is going to be a place where it's good ground. And that is a constant battle. You don't, you don't go through a season where your yard is beautiful and then just, oh, it's great now, and then we can go on and leave it the rest. No, next season, then after the next winter, you're going to have to do it all over again. When I planted the hostas, though, and I was digging through that soil, Something awesome happened. I was praying in that moment, God break up the follow ground in my heart, Lord. And I was chopping away and I, I I dug down, got a big old clump of dirt, and I pulled it out. And when it when that clump just came popping out, that hard, dry clump of dirt, I literally gasped and I took a picture because And the picture didn't show up well. The lighting wasn't well. But I was like, man, this is so good. Under about this much of clay, stony roots, everything, under about this much, I popped that dirt out, and underneath that was black soil. Rich, black soil. Let me tell you. The potential and the purpose that God has for you is inside of you. It is there. It is there. God has put something inside of you, and it is there. And you have to allow other things to be rooted out. Take it out so that there's, God can get down to what the, 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 good, the good soil of your heart. The word of God is the best weed and feed that you can apply. It may hurt. It's going to hurt. Some things are going to have to die in you. You may have to do some weed pulling in your heart, but the final result will be the beautiful heart and life that God always intended in you. The rich soil is there, but you've got to let God finish what He started. When He did, when He tilled it up the first time, you got to let Him finish. Let him go back and break up the follow ground. Because when you do, righteousness, righteousness is going to be produced in you. I want to be righteous. I want to be righteous. Amen? Can we stand together right now? I want to pray for us. And I want you to pray with me. And then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor. But. I feel like God wants to do something in this place today. And so can we, just, can we just bow our heads right now and pray? God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, for your word that's a light unto our path, God. It guides us. Lord, I thank you for your word, God, that fertilizes the soil of our hearts. God, that it breaks up the follow ground inside of us, God. Lord, I pray that you would do that work, Lord, that you would do that work inside of our hearts and inside of our lives, oh God. Lord, let us allow you to do the work that you want to do in us, God. Lord, because you have a greater purpose than what we're doing right now. God, you have a purpose of a season of harvest waiting for us. If we would just allow you to break up the fallow ground in our hearts, oh God. Lord, help us as parents and as mothers today, God, to teach our children the right way, to put the right things into their hearts, God, the things that are gonna feed them and, and help them to grow up, God. Because you said if we train up a child in the way he should go, he will not depart from it. God, help us, Lord. Give us wisdom, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would help us, God, in our marriages, in our homes, God. Break up the fallow ground, Lord Jesus. God set Set us on a path, God, of of harvest. God, set us on a path, God, of a season of of fruitfulness, God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we need you, Lord. Can we just make it out of prayer right now?